This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, if you will. And if you did not get a bulletin when you came in the door, I want you to get yours out. And uh, as much as we are tempted to be distracted today, this is a very important message. And I want you to pay very close attention to what we're talking about this morning. We don't often preach along these lines. In fact, I was doing some studying uh, this week, both in Jeremiah and the book of Habakkuk. And I'm realizing that uh, there are some great similarities in these two prophets. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching a message out of Habakkuk chapter 1, 2, and 3. And uh, I'm going to focus on the similarities of their ministry, and especially the similarities of the question that they ask. But I want us to see something today that I think will help us to get through some of the most complex times in our life. And I want to speak this morning for the next few moments on the potter's wheel of God's love. We are in a series called The Love of God. And uh, this is the fourth message in the series. And I hope that it will be a blessing to your heart. Now, I do hope that they'll be able to get these scriptures on the screen for you today. And uh, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 18. While you're turning your Bibles there, if that's the method you choose to worship with us today, or you prefer the screens while you're at home, I would like for you to also get your Bibles out and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 18 as well. And again, we're talking about the potter's wheel of God's love. And I'm going to read for you this morning verses 1 through 11 in chapter 18. So if you will, please take a moment to follow along with me today. And the Bible says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. Most of us are familiar with uh, the uh, introduction, so to speak, of this message today. You have heard from time to time a message, a teaching on the potter's house. I hope today that I can give you a little bit more detail about that. But the word says, arise. This is what God is telling Jeremiah. I want you to keep that in mind. God is saying to Jeremiah in verse 2, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. He was having a very difficult time hearing from God in the position and the circumstances that he was in. And so God said, I want you to remove yourself from the distractions, Jeremiah. I've got something that I want to say to you, but it will not be clear to you unless you go down to the potter's house. I want you to see and hear down there. And he said, I will cause thee to hear my words. Then, Jeremiah, I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, our house, or O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now every one from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And so we're talking about this morning the potter's wheel of God's love. All throughout the scriptures, God is revealed to us in so many different types of ways. Obviously, we see God as our great heavenly Father who is constantly watching over us. He's constantly meeting the needs that we have. When we call to Him, we have the promise of Scripture that if we do that, that He will answer us. Call unto me, He said, and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. We see God in Scripture as the great Creator, You go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis and you can understand how the scriptures teach us when he stepped out on the portals of nothing and just with his spoken word created the heavens and the earth. He called light into existence and everything that came after that. At times we see the Lord in the scripture as the great God of hosts as he leads his dear children along, setting a path for us to follow and encouraging us through the Holy Spirit that we walk in His steps. Sometimes when we open the Word, we see God as a God of wrath, and He truly is. He's not only a God of love, but He's a God of wrath, and He's a God of judgment. But here in our text today, we see God in a different circumstance. We see Him as the potter at the potter's will. I would say that probably there's a majority of the folks here this morning that's a little bit familiar with this passage. But let me give you a little background of this story. Jeremiah had been called to be a prophet to the nations. And the ministry of Jeremiah had lasted for 40 long years. In his ministry, the people that he was serving or speaking to They were very wicked and they were loathed in idolatry. They made light of spiritual things and it grieved Jeremiah's heart to the place where in the scriptures we are taught that he was the prophet of many tears. In fact, he's known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah kept praying and interceding for God's people. 
Jeremiah, though, as often as he prayed and like Daniel morning, evening, and noon, he was crying out to God, but he wasn't seeing a whole lot of progress as the result of his praying. He was feeling though his prayers were not being answered. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you were in a circumstance and that you were intently praying about something very specific and it felt as though to you that your prayers were falling on deaf ears, the deaf ears of God. The more you prayed, it seemed like the worse things got. The more you prayed, you did not have peace. The more you prayed, you didn't know which way to go. The more you prayed, you didn't have the answer. Put yourself in the context of the scripture today. This is the exact circumstance that Jeremiah was in. And he was getting very discouraged fervently, intently praying and feeling like his prayers were not being answered. I can assure you sometimes that's going to happen to you and I. When things weigh heavy on our heart and things seem to be overwhelming and you prayed and you've prayed and you prayed and you don't seem to know what direction to go in. What you do in a situation like that is you just be still and let God be God. We see things seemingly fall apart in our life, all around our lives, and we pray and we pray and we pray, and sometimes it just seems to get worse. Things were very, very dire in Jeremiah's community where he lived. This was probably one of the lowest points of his ministry. And by that, let me say this, it doesn't matter what position you serve in the ministry, whether or not you keep those nurseries, you keep the house of God clean, whether you play these instruments, whether you preach these sermons, whether you praise in the pew, whether you usher, you greet in the lobby, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, let me assure you of something. The closer you get to God, the closer you're going to be in the battle. And the closer you are to the battle, let me tell you, that's where the devil fights the worst. Keep that in mind. If you're going to serve the Lord with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, let me assure you of one thing. The devil is never going to say, uh, he's too much for me or she's too much for me. Believe me. So God begins to speak to Jeremiah's heart and he told him this. And Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he's down. He's discouraged. He sees all the wickedness in the community. He's praying to God, Lord, turn the hearts of these people. It seems like you, what you're saying, and it seems as though the message that I'm preaching, none of this is working. God, look at these people. They continue to walk in darkness and it's getting even worse and worse. Look at them bowing down to these statues and these stones and these rocks and these trees. They worship the sun, the moon, the stars, God, every which way I turn. These people are loathing in idolatry. Won't you do something, God? And he begins to weep and he begins to become heavy burdened, feeling discouraged. The people won't listen and now he's feeling like God's not listening. God says, what I want you to do, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. I've got a message for you. You can't hear me here. You're so distracted with all of the wickedness of the people. You're caught up in all of your own personal discouragement. What I'd like for you to do is pull the door shut 
And I want you to take a trip to the potter's house because I'm going to speak to you there. So that's what Jeremiah does. And by the way, let me describe to you a little bit about the potter's house. Picture in your mind, if you will, this morning, a very small building. Behind the building is a field where there's a lot of mud and where clay is taken from the mud behind the field and the potter's behind the potter's house. Inside of the house, and it's not very big at all, it's very small. Inside of the house, when you walk in, there are shelves that line the room. And on these shelves are many different types of vessels, different shapes, different sizes. There's a vat of water sitting on one of them and you can notice that there is some clay in that water pot. In the corner of the potter's house, over here, there is a furnace. On the opposite side, in the corner of the potter's house, there's a heap of broken pieces of clay. So keep that in mind. Keep this picture in mind, if you will the vessels along the side, the furnace, the heap of broken clay particles. And when you think about this, the Bible calls, in fact, these broken pieces of clay, the Bible calls them potsherds. In fact, there's a scripture that I want you to see about this. You might want to write it down in the margin of your Bible here in Jeremiah, but in Job chapter 2 and verse number 8, I want you to see this passage of scripture. You are all very familiar with the story of Job and, and the circumstances that he was dealing with in his life, one setback after another. Finally, he's sitting on the hot coals with boils all over his body. And in Job chapter two, in verse number eight, the Bible says he took a potsherd. If you're not really familiar with that word and what that is, it is a broken piece of pottery, a broken piece of clay. And Job began to take one of those and scrape his flesh. It was uh, irritating him in such a horrible way. All right, so now I want you to understand this, that in the potter's house, you have the furnace and you have the heat in the other corner, you have the heaping pile of, of the pottery pieces that are broken. But in the center of the potter's house, there is a big wheel, and at the top of the wheel, and at the bottom of the wheel, there's a spindle. I want you to think about this. The potter is in the house. He's sitting at the potter's wheel. The wheel is turning. The spindle is moving, and he is concentrating on this particular piece of pottery that he's working on this piece of clay. And so God told Jeremiah, I want you to go down there. And he said, when you get down there, I want you to pay very close attention to what you see and what you hear. When Jeremiah got to the potter's house, he pulled up a chair and he sat down beside the potter and he began to watch this potter work. He began to watch him fashion the clay. And as he was watching he noticed that the potter was working with this one particular type of vessel and all of a sudden something happened. 
something was marred in the hand and he started working. He started moistening it and it really wasn't coming together like he had wanted it to. And if you still have your Bible open to Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number four, I want you to see this. The Bible says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Something happened to that clay. It happened in such a way that it was necessary for the potter to rework his project. And as a result of that, the potter took the vessel, he got it all moist again, and he began to work it all over as if it were from the beginning. And so as Jeremiah was watching this potter rework the clay, it was then that God spoke to his heart. God said, now pay attention to what you have seen and pay attention to what you have heard. He's calling Jeremiah to pay very close attention. And this is what God said. In an instant, God began to speak to him. What Jeremiah could not hear in his community, what he could not hear in his own house, he heard something down at the potter's house. And God told Jeremiah this. He said, Jeremiah, he said, I want you to watch now what the potter can do with the clay. He said, I can do with the people. Now you think about this for a moment. Sometimes as clay, you and I, and that's what the Bible teaches us. He's the potter, we're the clay. God is always working in our life. He's always working on our life. Sometimes we have to get ourselves in a different position for him to have our undivided attention. But the truth of the matter is this, that there are going to be times along the way that I, that you, we're going to get marred. We're going to get rough. We're going to get broken in the hands of the potter. We're going to have to be reworked. We've got to get to a place where God simply, listen, God really wants to use us, but he's not going to use us in a broken fashion. God continues to put us on the potter's wheel and he continues to work and he continues to work and builds us up. There are so many things that can creep into our life in a flash that will make us a broken vessel. I was reading, I want you to see this. Hold your finger here just for a moment, and I want you to turn back with me to Proverbs chapter 6. And if you're following in your bulletin today, I've listed these scripture references. But these are some things that come into our life, and God calls them abominations. And they really distract us in life when they become effective in such a way that makes us defective. In Proverbs chapter 6, I'd like for you to look in verse number 19 and or 16, and I want to read through verse number 19. The Bible says this, These six things doth the Lord hate, yet seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, these are just a few that the Lord has placed in Scripture for us to be taught some very real and true and deep lessons. But I'm so thankful that when some of these types of things and many other things creep into our life, I'm so thankful that God is willing 
He's willing to stay at the potter's wheel and he's continuing his desire, his heart's desire. He still is willing to mold us and to make us after his image, after his own way. And so I praise him for that. And I believe every person in this auditorium today can praise the Lord that God is still willing to work at the potter's wheel of our life. Amen. I mean, you think about this just for a minute. God continuously among these broken pieces, whenever we get into such ruts in our life, when we get out of his will, when we get out of his calling, when we remove ourselves from his way, and we become marred in such a way that God can't use us in that condition. God wants to put us back on the wheel. He wants to go over there to these broken pieces of our life. He wants to put us back on the wheel and he wants to begin to remold us and shape us again. And I'm praising the Lord for that. That he continues, he desires to continue to work in my life and your life as well. And I praise him for it. One of the things that God spends a lot of time with at the potter's wheel is this. And this is the main thing that I want to focus on for these next few moments. We've talked about the various aspects of what God is and what he does in the introduction of the message today. But one thing that I want to stress this morning, and I hope that you would apply it to your heart and your life today. One of the things that God spends a lot of time with us at the potter's wheel is the disciplining of our lives. I want you to think with me now. Some of us may think that we don't need any molding. We don't need any discipline. But the truth of the matter is every one of us do. And here's the other thing. Most of us do not respond well to discipline in our life. You think about that just for a moment. We don't like it when our boss has to correct us. The guys in here, they don't like it when their wives have to correct them. Wives don't like it when uh, their husbands correct them. Children doesn't like it when parents correct them. Sometimes church members don't like it when preacher has to correct them. We just don't respond well to discipline. And so as a whole, we don't like it. But there are times when God has to do it, and he does it because he loves us. That's the thing. Sometimes I think we'd wish God was our heavenly grandfather than our heavenly father. Because we know that our grandfather is not going to discipline us. This grandfather, that, now I'm not talking about grandmother. Grandmamas is our another thing. Grandmamas know how to, to do it. Grandfathers really don't know how to do that. And so I don't anyway. I'm confessing to you this morning. I don't, I don't know how much to do that. But so God, listen, we want him sometimes to be our great grandfather in the sky, not our heavenly father. Because grandfathers, all they do is want to spoil his rotten. God's not like that. God's our heavenly father. And because of that, he has a responsibility. He has a responsibility to correct us. He has a responsibility to discipline us. And that's usually done on the potter's wheel. Here's an important thing, and I want you to remember it this morning. Whenever God puts us in this position, whenever God puts us on the potter's wheel, the question to ask is not, why me, Lord? Why have you chosen this time to put me on the potter's wheel? But instead, here's what I would suggest. If you find yourself as a broken vessel and you feel the Holy Spirit moving and working in your life, you don't have a clear answer 
that you're searching for right now. Don't give up on God. He's about to speak. Don't quit on him. Keep your ears and your heart open and not question God, why me? But when you find yourself in the position of being on the potter's wheel, ask God this question. God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What is it that you want me to know? What is it that you would like for me to learn? There's a great spiritual truth that we need to learn about God's love and discipline, and that is this. All of God's discipline is not necessarily for the same purpose. Keep that in mind. If you're going to follow me in your bulletin this morning, real quickly look at number one. Sometimes God disciplines us to punish us. In Psalms chapter 89, verse number 30 through 32, the word says this, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. So sometimes God does have to discipline us with punishment. If that's the case, he knows how to do it. The need for punishment in our lives is a hard, but it's a necessary truth to be molded in his image. But listen carefully. God's not slack in this means and measure with our lives. He never takes shortcuts. God knows how to extend it. He knows how to lengthen it. And when he has to punish us as his children, according to the word of God, he will do it. Do you remember when King David had committed his terrible sins? And Nathan the prophet confronted him. I want you to see this real quickly. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 9 and 10, the Bible says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Amnon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house. Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. And by the way, this is why God never allowed David to build the temple. But he, because he was constantly a man of war. And this was the pronouncement as a result of David's sin. God punished him in many harsh ways. And sometimes God has to deal with us in the same harsh ways as well. But we have to remember that the pain that we feel when God has to do this it's not designed to hurt us. It's designed to help us. We have to remember that it's never God's plan to simply brutalize us or to abuse us in any kind of a way because he's God. Sometimes we don't see it like that when it's happening. We wonder, God, why am I a victim? Why is this happening to me right now? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you not dealing with other people like this? There are more people worse off than me. But remember this, God has a measure to use. He has a potter's wheel. He knows where each one of us are marred, each one of us are broken, and God specializes in fixing that. Number two this morning, quickly, God disciplines us to protect us. Now that's an unusual twist on our thinking, but I want you to remember this. God disciplines us to protect us. If you'll notice quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, the Apostle Paul said this. We're very familiar with this text. In verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure 
Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, Paul didn't say that he was suffering because he had his heart full of pride. That's not what the word says. But rather, God had allowed the thorn to come into his life to keep him humble, to keep him from pride. This is why God did that. He did not want Paul to be puffed up and exalted, so God permitted the thorn. And that was the means in which God was using to protect him because you know what the scripture says about pride. It comes before the fall. This is what is meant by the protective discipline of God. Paul prayed three times for that thorn to leave him, and you know what God said. My grace is sufficient. Instead of God removing the thorn, God gave the great apostle Paul the ability to endure it. In verse 8 and 10 of that text, the word says this, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Sometimes when God sits down at the potter's wheel concerning you and I, he applies a little bit of discipline in our life that will keep us out of trouble. And if that's what God is doing, if God is applying a little discipline in our life to keep us from out of trouble, then we need to praise him for it and thank him for it. God may be molding us with discipline to take our attention off of the world and put it more directly on him. Sometimes that's exactly what it takes to turn our eyes on Jesus. A little bit of difficulty. Number three, sometimes God disciplines us to purify us. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse number 10, the writer says this, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And listen carefully. I believe it's the goal of every parent who is responsible enough to discipline their children. It's to help them. We're we're living in a society today where we're being told on our left and on our right that discipline is a thing of the past. We're being told today that parents have no right to say what our children do or what they're taught in school. But folks, that's trouble. Parents should be very involved in the discipline of their children They should be very involved in what they're taught and what they're schooled in very much. A parent, and as, and I speak this morning as a parent, we want our children to know right from wrong. We want them to become mature and responsible people. And I'm telling you right now, that's just not going to happen. If you want your children to become responsible and mature and to know right and wrong, the precepts of God, every parent is going to have to take time and invest that time and teach those children. It's not just going to happen. And especially if all they do in life is videos and what they watch on television, you can mark it down. It's not going to go north. It's going to go south. This is one of the reasons that God spends so much time with us. 
we think he's invisible. We think he's somewhere off in outer space. We think he's a thousand miles away from our prayer life. But God is spending so much time with us. And we need to take the time to realize this. Whatever the reason, God may be exercising discipline in your life or in my life. We need to count it a great blessing. Whenever we do things that are not good and not right, there's the long arm of God. And listen, sometimes God does have to reach down and he has to jerk a knot in us. But it's for our own good. The question ought not to be, God, why are you doing this? We should know why. If we've gotten off the path, we've gotten out of his will, we're walking in a rebellious way, even against the Holy Spirit, the question ought not to be why. We know why. But if we're committing sin, and listen carefully, this is very important. If we're committing some types of sin in our life and God is not dealing with us, God's not putting us on the potter's wheel, you see absolutely nothing in your life or feel nothing in your life by the way of conviction, by the way of the Spirit of God saying this is wrong, let God mold you, let God put you on the potter's wheel. If we're committing sin and there's no type of discipline in our life whatsoever, the question ought to be this. How is it possible? How can I be living in such a way with no chastisement on my life? Now, if I could have your undivided attention just for a moment, that's a serious question. Because if you are a child of God and you get out of his way, you get out of his step, you get out of his will, according to the word of God, and I'll share a scripture with you in just a minute. If, if we are believers and we are walking contrary to the scriptures, contrary to the Holy Spirit, listen, God will jerk a knot in us. God knows how to chastise us. God knows how to get us back on the path. Here's the thing. If you can do all of those things of the world, you can love the world. The lust of the eyes, the flesh, the pride of life. You've just baptized yourself and all of that stuff. And you're just skiptoeing through the tulips, so to speak. And there's no correction. There's no discipline. There's no conviction. There's no feeling overwhelming you that this is wrong and hey, you need to get back with God. If that's the case, we have to remember that discipline in our lives is a very clear sign that we are a child of God and God loves us. And so you see, the lack of discipline means that God does not consider you according to the scripture to be one of his. And the scripture for that is Hebrews 12, 7. The word says this, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And so if you're sowing your wild oats and you're just doing your own thing and you don't feel the chastisement of God, you don't feel the conviction of God, you don't feel the reins of the Holy Spirit pulling you back, then friend, I would consider that a very serious problem. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? All of us ought to appreciate it when God, as the potter, goes to the potter's wheel and exercises discipline on our life because it's God's way of saying this. I'm doing this because you belong to me. 
I'm doing this because I love you and I want you to be conformed in my image. Whenever God is at the potter's wheel with us, there are some very important things he's wanting to accomplish in our lives. Sometimes we might not respond to it very well. In fact, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, Jonah learned the hard way not to despise the discipline of God. When God first told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach, Jonah got mad at God. He hated those people. They were hostile towards God's people. And so Jonah, you know the story, he boarded a ship going towards Tarshish, which was in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. As the storm came and the whale swallowed him up, by the way, I don't know how many of you saw this uh, in the news a couple of months ago. I couldn't believe it myself either when I saw it, but it was true. A man, do you, you see the story where the man actually got swallowed by the whale? Did you see it? Did you see it? Some of you are shaking your head. And I said, you know what? If that's not a testimony for somebody to shout about, there it was in modern day time, a whale swallowed a man and uh, he was scuba diving. And the whale swallowed him. The truth of the matter is if that book said that Jonah had swallowed the whale, I still would believe it because it's in the Bible. But I saw that. I said, this is amazing. But Jonah now, when you get back to the story here, when he repented, here's the thing. The fish didn't spit Jonah out in the direction that he was going in. According to the word of God, the the whale spit him out on dry ground in the direction he needed to be going in, on the shores of God's will. God sits on the potter's will and works on our lives because he loves us. And this is very important. It's always to build us up and to correct us and to purify us. So as a child of God, don't ever consider things happening in your life by bad luck or because uh, you've been cursed or something like that as a child of God. Remember this, God is busy working on you. And sometimes we have to remove ourselves from a chaotic situation and sort of like get down in the potter's house where he wants us to be still and he wants us to watch, he wants us to listen, and he wants us to learn. Suffering, listen carefully, is never the evidence of God's absence. Don't ever think that but rather his divine presence. Whenever we're on the potter's wheel, don't look at what seems to be unpleasant circumstances as God not caring, but look at it as his faithful hand. I want to read this final passage for you as our musicians come forward. In Psalms 119, I want you to look with me in verse number 65 through 71. Psalms 119, verse 65, the word says, Thou hast dwelt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn from thy statutes. God never delights in disciplining us. He delights in what we see and what he sees as a result of it.
our response to correction really truly reveals the true colors of our heart. We need to look at what he's doing as a friend and not an enemy. Life can quickly turn. Life can quickly bring us dark and lonely circumstances. But we have to remember that God is watching over us. He never sleeps. The scripture I gave you in the very beginning of the message today in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number four, again, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter. And my question is this, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God gives us all second chances? When I look at the scripture in the story that I just mentioned about Jonah, the scripture says this in Jonah chapter 2, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. When I think about the second time, there was a period where Paul and Barnabas were going to take a missionary journey and Barnabas brought John Mark and something happened. There was a, a rift between Paul and John Mark and eventually affected Barnabas. And so Paul said, look, I'm not, I'm not going with, with Barnabas or, or I'm not going with John Mark. Barnabas, you take him if you want him. I'm not going with him. Paul ended up taking Silas. And, but what I find fascinating in that story is this. Down the end of life's road, you remember what Paul said about John Mark? He said, bring him for he's profitable for the ministry. That's a second chance. When I think about what God has done for me, what he's done for you, he gave Jonah the second chance. Paul gave John Mark the second chance. And how about this? When Peter was vehemently cussing, swearing, denying Jesus, said he didn't know the man, you turn the corner just a little bit from that. And Jesus is saying to him, you really love me, Peter? Here's the keys of the kingdom. Feed my sheep. I'm so thankful that God is a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a disciplined God. He loves us. He wants us to conform in His image and His likeness and His will. And here's the thing. No matter how many times it takes, no matter how many times we get broken, He's willing to put us back on that potter's wheel and rework it all over again. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.